Eventually, we stir and make moves to get our clothes from the living room, but we end up standing naked in the doorframe and kissing. Kissing turns to making out. Making out brings an erection between us. We both look surreptitiously around, pretending not to notice, and neither of us addressing it directly. to learn because then you get in sync you get in sync with the universe you get in sync with life you get in sync with what is meant for you and then life is less of a struggle because you're seeing it is a cycle trying to a lesson we'll say it's a lesson it's a lesson trying to be taught almost to my entire family but through me because I'm the only one willing to be aware of it just press foreplay. Hello again, my loves. My name is Susie, and you're listening to Just Press Foreplay. Welcome back. This is a New Year's Eve episode. I hope all of you are doing so well. So excited to end 2020. With that, I do hope a lot of you are focusing on not just oh my god, get 2020 the fuck out of my life, but more what was 2020 trying to teach me? Where was 2020 trying to direct me for 2021? And with that thought gave me the idea of doing this week's episode on karmic cycles because so many of us have deep, deep ties in the connections that we have in our lives. And some of us are wondering why. Some of us are completely happy doing anything and everything to keep that tie there. Some of us feel trapped. There are so many ways to be feeling about the people in your life, the people you allow to be in your life. And so what better time to reevaluate that than right before we head into a brand new year after a hurricane of a year? (laughs) So before we get into that, to all of you who are my subscribers, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I deeply, deeply love all of you and I hope you're enjoying the content that is brought to you every week by myself and the people who are close to me in my life. I am going to be doing a lot more collaborations coming up soon um, because I like to get a lot of perspective on people's sexual life and how it relates to their day-to-day life and things they can be doing that are healthier for them and you know the ripple effects that we make and the connections that we have if you are not a subscriber please go to our website justpressforeplay.com hit subscribe it should be the first thing that pops up if you're on your mobile phone on the top right corner there's those little those little line things if you click on that that will open up all of our sub links our merch store with all of the hoodies the sweatpants we have blankets in there if you're in the u.s the blankets have been kind of of touch and go because they're shipping from somewhere else so sometimes they're available sometimes they're not which is a bummer because they're so fucking soft and i love them um i left mine at my uncle's house which i'm super super sad about but i will be ordering myself another one as soon as they're available so you have to check based off your location because life is weird right now I have also labeled for all of you the hoodies that are premium versus the ones that are not. The premium hoodies are so much softer. They're a little bit more of a slim fit. So if you like your hoodies to be baggier, I would order a size up because they're super thick and super snug. And then go check out the Reddit tab if you want to send me any questions anonymously, any stories anonymously, if you want to make them not anonymous. 
go for it. Send them through. If you want me to read them on the show, I would be so happy to do that as well. If you have any questions for me that you want me to read on the show that you're curious about, that you want me to dive deeper in, something we talked about, something about me, something about my life, let me know. I do a lot of booping around on Reddit anyway, so it's kind of just fun to play around with the community that is being built in, um, you know, talking about sex, but in a healthy yet still nasty manner. After the episode, if you want to uh, research a little bit deeper in some of the topics that I talk about on any episode, I have put together a Pinterest board for all of you, which is super fun to poke around on. All of the research topics that have brought me to some of the ideas that I came up with, um, all of the perspectives that I kind of dabbled in to bring together the episodes, to to bring together the discussion, you know? Um, so go check that out. I have a lot of fun putting all of that information together for you guys as well. Um, if there's anything I post where you're like, what the fuck is this shit? Send me a message on it. Like, I love conversating. I love getting your guys' perspective on things. I like hearing, um, you know, just different different viewpoints on things that I find interesting and maybe where it took your brain on something crazy, some sort of rabbit hole. Like, let's talk about it. So let's get into this week's episode on karmic cycles. So what are karmic cycles? What does karmic cycles mean? When I think of karmic cycles, the first word that pops to my mind is karma. So when you think of karma, I think of that as being something that's almost instantaneous or maybe it takes a week, maybe it takes a month, whatever. It's something in your short time span that you can put to an, to an event and you can tie them to being collective. Like, okay, I deserved that, right? So a karmic cycle, the way I see that is more of you are tied to someone or something in an energy way because of something that you had done that caused some type of effect on another individual. And so a loop was created or something was created that has not been resolved. So when you come back in your next life, you are bound to fix what you had not fixed in this life. But in that next life, you're not told what it is that you need to fix. So in order to figure it out, you need to stop. You need to breathe and you need to be aware of the connections that are coming into your life and the messages that they are trying to bring to you. If you continue to live your life in a way that is almost like a bowl in a china shop, you're constantly fighting everything. You're constantly coming in with such force, but you're not aware of any of the lessons that you're trying to be, that are trying to show themselves to you to help you elevate, then you're bound to live that same karmic cycle either again or in the opposite realm in which you are of the viewpoint of someone who is feeling the effect of what you caused before, if that makes any sense at all. Hopefully it does. <laughs> and the reason why I think this topic is so important right now is because we have so much energy around us that we are trying to figure out, we're trying to decipher, we're trying to understand what it even means to be human when we're basically plopped into a system that doesn't work for anyone. So in being a part of that, the best thing you can do is stop fighting everything and instead stop and take a look at everything around you and evaluate where you're at and what you need to learn because then you get in sync. You get in sync with the universe. You get in sync with life. You get in sync with what is meant for you 
And then life is less of a struggle because you're seeing the patterns and where you fit in place for them. Now, this is not information I just researched this morning and then I'm like, hey guys, here's an epiphany on life. No, this has been my life. This has completely been my life. And I think that's part of being a a Pisces. You're the last sign astrologically. So it's almost like you understand living all of these fucking lives that have happened without actually having to live all of these lives. You just feel it. Like it's just in your soul. You just feel it. So my entire life, I was raised being told we have a family curse. And that's something that has just been repeated by multiple people within one side of my family. I have come to learn that that terminology is repeating a karmic cycle. That cycle does not belong to me. That cycle has latched itself to my family for whatever reason. Reasons maybe I will never know. Who knows? Um... But regardless, it has latched itself to almost everyone in a certain side of my family. Now, I can choose to take that terminology and continue to live with it and continue to speak it. But by speaking it, I'm allowing it to continue to continue. I am allowing it space in my karmic cycle to continue to exist. I saw this very young. I saw it destroying certain people in my family, destroying relationships that they were trying to build every single time without fail to the point where almost the moment a relationship would start, they would speak those words again, that it's a family curse and it's basically doomed before it's begun. And it happened. Now, I'm not saying it is as simple as, okay, cool, I saw it, so now my family curse is over. No. But now that I'm aware of it, when things happen to me, they don't stick to me so heavy because I see them for what they are. It is a cycle trying to, a lesson, we'll say it's a lesson, it's a lesson trying to be taught almost to my entire family, but through me because I'm the only one willing to be aware of it. And that's why sometimes when you're going through these transformations of breaking cycles in your family, it seems so fucking difficult and like you are alone when the reality of it is, is like, yes, you are alone, but you also have a lot of ancestors and a lot of spiritual energy backing you in the positive aspect of helping you get through to break that cycle. The energy doesn't enjoy being stagnant, and that's why we feel so out of place when things are off. It doesn't enjoy being that way. It's that way because it's trying so hard to get tuned properly, but you're not getting tuned properly and getting in alignment, and it needs you to have that awareness to get there. Now, unfortunately, sometimes something very drastic needs to be there in order for your eyes to be open to being aware. Um, And I think that's why a lot of people go through so much trauma because it's almost like the universe is trying to fucking shake you awake. Like, do you not see 
what you keep doing to yourself over and over and over again? Do you not see that this is continuously happening? And then you blame it on, oh, this is just my life. This is just what keeps happening to me. This fucking sucks. No, you're refusing to see it. You're refusing to look at yourself and see what's happening. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong. I'm just saying that you're refusing to be aware. On the other end of my family, I have the karmic cycle of, you know, the opportunity to harbor and live a life of resentment almost. Um, When I was very young, my father passed away. And because of that, you know, there's, there's a lot of ripple effects that were caused because of that. In my opinion, because of this happening, it decides who's coming back into my life in my next cycles. Do I want this person who did that to my dad to come back in my next cycles? No, I don't. Um, I've had complete forgiveness with it because I know that where I'm at now in life would not exist had the things that had happened not happened. Um, also, through my forgiveness, that puts that energy back on that individual. Um, my hope is also that through my forgiveness and not living a life of resentment, because it would have been very easy to fall into the labels of daddy issues and whatnot, which of course there will always be certain aspects of that. But you know, that's also just a part of life. There can be people who have dads in their life who do more damaging things than someone who didn't have it. Um, and lucky for me, I have a lot of very, very supportive families. So the void was filled in many different ways in which I was still able to grow and develop in the way that I have. And I'm so extremely grateful for that. But that's one of the things that you have to realize about karmic cycles is through trauma and through reflection and through viewing what you have gone through outside of yourself and from a state of awareness, you don't absorb the negative aspects about it and instead you see it for exactly what it is, an experience that happened to you and because of it, you have a lesson to learn. So what's going to be that lesson? Um, And if you're not sure yet, then that's okay. Just hold on to the awareness and it it will get you there. But it's so important for your spiritual transformation. And if you're truly after seeking that and you're truly after living for your higher self and living, you know, a life of abundance and a life of prosperity and a life of, of riches, not in a monetary manner, but riches in a spiritual manner, Um, then these are things that you need to pull awareness to and you need to be okay with and stop harboring resentment and stop holding on to negative thoughts and feelings. And if you notice that you are holding on to them, taking a breath and truly letting it go and stop thinking of it as a silly cliche type of thing that people say and instead truly understanding the clarity that it gives your mind when you do that. Because it's so important for you. It's important for all aspects of your life. And if you can master this, then you can master it in in so many beautiful areas. And all you're going to do is attract beautiful, beautiful things that are meant for you in your life rather than attracting all of the things that are meant to be obstacles in your life. 
you have to trust that there's higher divine reason for all of these things that happen to you. They're not because the universe hates you. They're not because life hates you. They're not because things just want to make it more difficult for you. It's because there's higher reason. There's lessons that you're being brought to. There's paths you're being shown and directed to, but it's only when you're you know, it's almost like being submissive to trusting that it's leading you where you need to be. You know, if I chose not to forgive, I might be stuck living a life with that individual in my next life. Um, if I chose not to forgive, it could completely eat me up in this life. And what's the point of that? What's the point of two people essentially not living because of one person's decision to affect that life you know what I mean from that instead I can transmute it into something so much bigger than myself to be something more positive and more impactful than it ever could have been before maybe because I'm choosing to not hold on to resentment from this individual I'm cutting that karmic tie of them being in my life maybe they've always repeated in our family life of hurting or damaging someone and maybe now this is when it's no longer gonna exist because I'm forgiving because I'm not holding on to it maybe next lifetime they'll live a lonely life with no one around them and they'll have to see what it's like to just live when you're not trusted to have individuals around you you know it's like these patterns happen so that lessons can happen but you're not the one who needs to teach the lesson or hold on to the things that are not elevating you in your cycle in your bubble of what it is you can control Okay, so while I was doing some research on this, I came across the word samsara. And samsara, the way it was translated to me, and I posted some videos on the Pinterest page. So if you want to go look at them, please, please do. It was explained that we are a product of cycles. And that makes perfect sense. Like we enjoy patterns. We're a product of cycles. There's systems that are in place. We fit in line with them. There's planet rotations, moon rotations, all of that. We enjoy when things have a flow to them. And when they have a flow to them, then there's a way to measure them. We like that. Then it relieves anxiety. We can count on what is going to not necessarily happen next, but we can count on the pattern is that to happen, you know? So what comes along, we can take it. When you get stuck in a negative pattern of this is when you need to let that awareness come about. When you're stuck in a negative pattern in a relationship, so when you'll recognize it's a karmic relationship if certain patterns are happening that are not healthy for you. It's not saying that all karmic relationships are unhealthy, but there are certain ones that are there to teach you a lesson. And if you refuse to be aware of the patterns that are right in front of your face, you're going to miss the lesson and you're doomed to repeat it or you're just doomed to be trapped. So if you are, well, so if you notice that you're obsessive, that your attraction is just so extremely obsessive and passionate, but it's to a point where you're even questioning yourself how obsessive that you're being, um, that's a first sign of it being a karmic relationship, something you need to learn from. 
if there's huge imbalances in your relationship, but you're still choosing to almost coddle the behavior or make excuses for it or just put a blind eye to. If there's behaviors within the relationship that are continuously repeated, something that bothers you that you keep bringing um, the attention to, but nothing's changed or you're gaslit instead of a conversation happening. These are karmic relationships. And in karmic relationships, it doesn't mean that just you need to learn the lesson. It's usually the two of you that need to learn the lesson. A lot of the times the relationship that you're in that's a karmic relationship is you with your twin flame. And you both are learning same, same, but different. You both have opposite things that are being taught to you, but through each other in which the lesson is opposite. And the reason why these things keep coming around is because the loop needs to be mended. There's something there that's not resolved. There was a pain there that was caused. There was a ripple ripple effect that was disturbed. It's almost like something was meant to be treated organically and you took it upon yourself to disrupt that. Now it's your turn to fix it and you will keep repeating this until you fix it. Um, sometimes you'll notice people in your life who are rejecting learning their their karmic relationships in their life and these people usually you'll you'll mostly notice because they'll fly off the handle at anything small something small throws off their pattern and they are just up in arms and it's because they can't handle those surprises those surprises throw off their whole day brings up all their anxiety everything it it completely disrupts their frequency that they want to stay in but the problem is is their frequency that they want to stay in is so stagnant that it doesn't matter what the disruption is, good or bad, it just is always seen as bad. And that's something you want to avoid getting stuck in. If you're constantly getting angry at the smallest things, you're avoiding so many things that you need to be noticing around you so that you can correct them because you're going to you're gonna repeat it. You're going to keep fucking repeating it. And I don't know that, you know, where we are in life that you have many options to keep doing that without it being so much more devastating than before. And I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The words that are coming out of your mouth are the words that are telling you how you're living your life. So if you're constantly letting the negative thoughts followed by the negative actions and the negative reactions happen without stopping yourself and asking if you can admit it to a positive or even just slightly more positive than before, um, then you're not going to get anywhere. Just to be honest with yourself, you're really not. But the beautiful thing with all of these karmic connections that are brought into our life is it's an opportunity every time for us to evolve in our soul, you know, and a lot of times we're feeling all of these deep depressions. We're feeling these deep depressions because we're denying ourselves a lot of connections that we need to be having, a lot of lessons we need to be learning through each other and through positivity and through love and through light and through unity and community. And that's what it means that karmic connections are not bad. Karmic connections are just meant to teach you. 
And instead of um, viewing these connections or viewing certain people who annoy you as, oh, I can't stand being around them, instead wondering why or what it is you need to be learning from them. Maybe in a past life, you did something and instead of fixing it, you now in this life just can't stand them. Or maybe they did something to you and there's a tie that needs to be fixed there. Um, they're going to keep coming back around until you do fix it. It's inevitable. They are tied to your soul. It will keep coming back around. Um, so that takes me back to the story of my family and my uh, repeated pattern of being told that we have a family curse. Um, I, when I was younger, completely adapted this. And when I was younger, I would sabotage my relationships left and right. And I would speak all the time reasons as to it's just the family curse. That's just why it happens. It's always going to happen to me because that's just how it is. Um, And I held on to it for a really, really long time. Did I believe it? Yes, absolutely. For a very long time, I definitely did believe it. Where a lot of you see the most important karmic connections, um, yes, they come through in your relationships, especially relationships that are abusive and relationships that are harder to um, get through and sometimes you hold on to even though in the back of your mind you wonder if you should be. Those ones are definitely karmic, but a lot of you will see these karmic connections coming through in your family. Um, the connections where you and your mom absolutely do not get along at all whatsoever. You fight constantly. These are the ones that are teaching you the deepest lessons. These are the ones where you're supposed to learn the most from them. Um, this is what happens in my family. Uh, they might get mad at me for talking about this, but that's okay. My mom and my grandma, their connection is horrible. It's so horrible to the point where they can't be on the phone with each other for more than a few minutes without one person being extremely defensive. Um, and it's gotten to the point where one person wants to fix the ties and the other person is just not, not willing or maybe too hurt for anything to be fixed. You know, there's a lot of layers there and there is always going to be a lot of layers that only the two of them will ever understand. But that doesn't mean that the karmic cycle for me is doomed because they between themselves have not fixed it. But for me, being on the outside and being aware looking in, I see where I could repeat those patterns. I see where I could continue it and allow it to, you know, if I decide to have a family, then bleed into that as well. I don't want that. And I think that through trauma and through having to view life so differently, I was able to see that from a non-personal level. So when I was treated a certain way by my mom, instead of it being like, my mom hates me, she hates me so much, blah, 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 I knew she didn't hate me. I knew that she was projecting on me all of the things that she felt in her karmic cycle with her mom. So I was able to remove myself from it. And that's so important because a lot of you take on being gaslit by people or you take on these dark energies that other people are putting on you. But what you're not realizing is you're taking on 
all of their projection, all of their projection in their refusal to deal with their karmic cycles. I knew it was not mine and I know I don't want to repeat it and I will not repeat it. I want to do nothing but figure out how to emit my own positive energies onto the world and onto the people around me and in my own family so that when and if I decide to have a family, they can be on the shoulders of me rather than recovering or just getting to zero. And it's not any fault of my family whatsoever. You know, my poor mom has dealt with so many traumas in her life that I will never even dare to ask about because I know that there's something that she just has to deal with on a very deep level. And when she's ready, she will communicate about them. I, on the other hand, am very different. I expose my traumas and I'm totally um, at peace with them. And maybe that's because they were so young. Maybe that's why I was able to. But who knows? We all process things differently and um, we're also ever growing and ever changing. And so the way that you process something before can be completely different from how you choose to process things after you listen to this episode, for example, or after you, you know, hear something that, you know, just kind of makes something click for you. So going into next year, I really hope that you guys learn to drop all of the extra baggage of things that do not belong to you, that do not need to be a part of the person that you're wanting to become, the person that you're choosing to become, and the person that you, uh, you know, want to attract other people into your life because you, you know, you attract what you are. So what kind of frequency are you emitting is going to be a really important question for everyone to be asking themselves in 2021. So I know that's not sex related, but you know, when you are right with yourself, the sex is a whole lot better. All right, let's get into some erotica. This one I'm really excited about. And there's also a part two story to this one, but we're going to save that one for next week. And then just to put some little guidelines, some little buffers, the reason why I want to read erotica every week, for one, we're in COVID still, and with having sexy stories to read, it just kind of reminds you guys that love is out there. You know, not everything is swipe, 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 swipe onto the next. Like there are intimate moments to be had. And the more that you focus on them, the more you think about them, the more you manifest them coming into your life. And I want to promote healthy sexuality. I want to promote positive sexuality. I want to promote sex being fun and curious and something to explore, not something to over-sexualize and demonize, you know? Okay, so this one's super sexy. Who the fuck is calling me? Go away. So this one's titled, How I Ended My COVID Dry Spell with a Hot Military Man. It's been about six months since I had sex. When COVID hit, I took it very seriously and only came out of my house for work, groceries, and the gas station. I ended my friends with benefits arrangements to do my part with social distancing. Since then, I moved across the country. I dated a woman for about a month, but ended things because she reminded me too much of my ex-husband. Go figure. Another month goes by. I match with a handsome 40-year-old, recently divorced man, Rob. Sure, he's got 10 years on me, but we have a lot of the same interests and hobbies. He even starts reading the book I mentioned on my profile, so we have something to talk about. Swoon. We met for our first date, and I was smitten. 
he's just as handsome in person, and I have not laughed that hard on a first date ever. I swear I was crying at some point, and my face hurt so good. Our second date, also a success, and I ended up kissing him on the neck, to which he responded by kissing me back on the lips. Third date, I invite him over to my place. Of course, we end up making out on the couch. The temptation to fuck is looming, but I also want to feel out who he is as a person and what kind of partner he is. As I straddle him, I say, if I bring you back to my room, I'm totally down to get naked, but no sex, okay? Okay, he says. I lead him to my bedroom, unbutton his shirt, and bringing it past his shoulders. He strips off his undershirt and shorts. I'm pulling my shirt overhead, then taking off one of my socks. He grabs the other sock, taking it off my foot and throwing it over his shoulder with a mischievous grin. Once my tights are past my knees, he does the same thing with them too. I look him over. He's 40, but he's got a better body than most men at any age. It is clear that he takes care of himself with exercise and a decent diet. The military has left its mark on him with the V on his torso to his waist. His arms filled the sleeve of his shirt that's now discarded on the floor. And it is apparent that he does not skip leg day. All body hair is trimmed, face clean shaven, and of course he has a fresh haircut. I don't know if he's wearing cologne or just smells clean, but I want to bury my face in his neck and breathe him in. He kisses me with an incredible passion, holding me, stroking my back, and doing all the little things that relax me and sweep me away. His breathing is loud and it makes my heart race. He is practically growling. But with a quiet power, as his hands are so delicate with me, piece by piece our undergarments are lost to the floor, and we are groping each other, kissing and moaning as if our lives depended on it. He stays true to his promise and does not try to stick in just the tip or otherwise breach my boundary. However, it is still extremely sexy that he will rub against me with the motions of sex and goodness. It was tempting to take it back and tell him to fuck me. Instead, I think he realized this was the test of sorts. He wanted to pass, so he trailed his mouth down past my hips and settled in between my thighs. Oh god yes, I don't know what he was doing, but it was wonderful. Unlike all previous partners, he did not push too hard. He was perfect. I didn't come. Sorry, I can take a while, I said, but it was duly noted the man was a giver. He passed the test. Now it was my turn to give. After we kept making out, I rolled him on his back and took him in my mouth. If nothing else, I am an enthusiastic blowjob slut. God, I didn't think today could get any better, he managed to say between exasperated breaths. I take my time, cycling through my favorite techniques. He brings me up. You're not the only one who can take some time, he says, as he chuckled and we keep making out. Neither of us came, but I wasn't even disappointed. I had such a good time with him. It was fun, sexy, pleasurable, and comfortable. All the hallmarks of a positive sexual interaction. We nestled together, and I got to bask in the pleasure of skin-on-skin -skin contact. I'm relaxing with my eyes closed, but I am pleasantly surprised when I open them and see his rugged, good-looking face so close to mine. It was a Wednesday, so I had the unsavory task of kicking this extremely sexy man out of my bed. We left with the verbal agreement that he'd have dinner with me again in two days. All the next day I was distracted. I kept thinking about his body against mine. It turned me on so much that when I was peeing, I had a transient thought of him, and it stirred a pleasure contraction that stopped me midstream. I had to refocus in order to finish my business and carry on with my day. Friday rolls around. He comes over for a fourth date. We have dinner and a normal conversation. 
Then, again, no surprise, we end up making out on the couch. This time, clothes come off in the living room. I settle between his knees. He put his hands on the top of my head, and I bob and I suck. Again, he is extremely gentle and does not push my head down. He encourages a pace that I eagerly follow. He puts his hand under my chin, brings me up to kiss me. We make our way to the bedroom. As I recline back, he whispers, You are so sexy. He climbs on top of me, hands caressing my hair and breasts, kissing on my neck and jaw before consuming my lips. We resume our activities from Wednesday. He followed the unspoken guidance, no sex, hands on mouths and dry humping. His willingness to abide makes it impossible for me to ignore how badly I want his cock inside me. Do you want to have sex? I ask him. Yes. I grab a chain and condom and return. I grab a chain. I grab a chain of condoms. <laughs> Redo. I grab a chain of condoms and return to bed. I'm on top and ease down on him. Holy shit, he feels amazing. The head of his dick hits my G-spot with pretty much any movement. I've never felt that good from penetration alone. I thought that all porn stars must be full of bullshit with all the noise they make. Turns out, I just didn't have the right dick in me. His hand is woven into my hair as he kisses me and thrusts into me. He pulls my hair from the roots in a perfect handful that shows me he's in charge. He knows how to dominate, but not hurt me. He pulls my hair so my head tilts back, and he can kiss down my neck and suck on my nipples. Hot. His other arm is around my waist to bring me closer and bring him in deeper. He lets go of my hair and awakens my skin as his fingertips scratch down my back, the biting tingle turning me on even more as he simultaneously grazed my nipple with his teeth. In one swift move, he takes me from cowgirl to missionary. How he did it, I'm not even sure. I'm not used to having such a muscular partner. All I know is that one moment I'm on top, the next his arm is supporting my back as he lays me down underneath him. I'm not used to this, but I could definitely get used to it. He's dominating me in exactly the way I want. He continues the domination by grabbing me by the knees and pulling me down further on the bed. He spreads my thighs and fucks me on his knees, lifting my feet to his shoulders. This gets me close. He can hear my desperation and stops fucking me to start finger-fucking and eating me out. I ask if I can help him out. He accepts. I play with my clit as he thrusts his fingers in me. I start to come, and he is still thrusting. At peak climax, I can't take any more stimulation. I buy his hand away while laughing from pleasure. No more, no more, no more. I beg him over and over again, stuck in a verbal loop even when he had already stopped. After I'd regained my mental faculties and gross motor functions, I kiss him again, gingerly. He responds passionately, biting my lip. I've just come, but it turns me on again. A few more minutes of kissing and I open my legs to him. First from behind while spooning, then my hands on my knees, then back to missionary. From there, he leans back to again fuck me from his knees. This time, with my knees mostly closed and pinned to my chest, I can hear the sharp intake of breath as he pulls out and strokes himself above me. Hot cum lands on my stomach and chest. Fuck yes. Initially, he hovers over me to kiss me, but our bodies meet and smear the mess between us in a way that is hot and raw. I offer him either a shower or a towel. A towel. If we shower, we miss the best part. Best part? Yeah, five minutes of cuddling, then round two. I laughed as I throw a towel at him. Just five minutes of cuddling. Lame. We cuddle for much longer than five minutes. His chest is so inviting. My leg is draped over his. His arm feels secure as it holds me against him. 
His other hand traces up and down my arm, back, hip, and strokes my hair. We talk as we snuggle, we laugh, something we do a lot of together. Being with him feels good. He looks at me, smiles, and looks back at the ceiling. I study his face. You are so handsome. You're just inflating my ego. He smiles, though, and hugs me closer. Nah, it's true. I hug him back and kiss him on the cheek. Eventually, we stir and make moves to get our clothes from the living room. But we end up standing naked in the doorframe and kissing. Kissing turns to making out. Making out brings an erection between us. We both look surreptitiously around, pretending not to notice. And neither of us addressing it directly. But then the kissing changes tone. And he backs me up against the wall. I bring my leg up. He lifts me entirely by my hips and fucks me against the wall. While hot in theory, we decide to take it back to the bed. I push him down this time and climb on top. He has a firm grip on me by the waist. We are fucking like deprived animals. Spank me, I plead. He delivered swiftly. He enjoyed it as much as I do. He grunts and thrusts deeper into me with each well-placed swat on my ass. I'm gonna come, he moans. I ride him harder. I'm gonna come, he says again, the words barely escaping his lips. Yes, do it, I demand in a whisper. He groaned and convulses. His head is off the side of the bed, fingers leaving crescent indents in my skin as if he's trying to hold on to me, as if he's trying to stay in touch with reality. As his convulsions subside, I squeeze him with a kegel. You've got tricks, don't you? He says to me. I nod, smile at him, bite my lip, and keep teasing him this way until he finally, un until we finally uncouple. I thought I lost you there for a minute, I joke. He smirks and rolls his eyes, kisses me, and tucks me under his arm for snuggling. We have a few more minutes of cuddling before we have to get up for real and actually get dressed. He's gone camping solo for a long weekend, and I'll be eagerly awaiting his return. Right, tune in next week for the other encounter with this story. I think there's three in total. All right, let's get into questions for this week. Okay, so this one says, So my husband and I are both almost 30. We have been having intimacy issues, from my perspective, since our daughter was born two years ago. I've brought it up multiple times to try and resolve it, but nothing changes on his end. He always says he'll try harder to do better, but never does. We haven't had sex since sometime in November, so almost two months. That's a pretty typical... That's pretty typical, honestly, because I'm fed up with bringing it up nicely and trying to fix it without him putting in any effort. I've been refusing to initiate since, one, I always initiate, literally, and two, want him to make any effort. But the problem is I'm craving it so badly, he doesn't even, to seem, he doesn't even seem to be bothered whatsoever. What do I do? So we kind of talked about this one a little bit last week, and I think it's always such a good one to continuously, a, a good question to continuously bring up. Because when you get stuck in the cycle of he's not initiating, so I'm not going to initiate, a lot of the times the communication is so blurred between the two of you that you're seeing completely different stories, different perspectives of what's going on and how the other person feels. Um, chances are all of your intimate issues are not coming from anything between the two of you. Um, any issues that are happening between the two of you are probably just a result of whatever he's going on got going on internally that he's not talking about. Um, I would suggest taking some time to um, just kind of find where he's at emotionally, find some time to just get on the same wavelength of his of him. So maybe it would be a conversation that kind of sounds like, you know, hey, I noticed you've been a little down lately. Like, how are things going at work? Ask questions that genuinely 
show that you're caring about where his headspace is at. I don't think it's got anything to do with you. I think it's all to do with him. And he's basically stuck in a rut where his reality is all that he's paying attention to. And he probably doesn't realize the ways that it's affecting you. He's probably hearing you, but when when you're talking about your issues and the things that you want and need, he's probably still focusing on what it is that he's trying to work through on his own. And that's kind of the issue with society nowadays is a lot of men think that they need to hold this very strong masculine front and can't have the time to be vulnerable and emotional and find out where their head is at on situations. I know for a lot of men, when they have their first child, it's very hard on them. Um, My brother's dad went through that where it was just a complete um, mental checkout, basically. But it's not because of you. It's not because of the child. It's because of so many other aspects in their life that they're feeling like they're not um, coming up on. Yeah, so sometimes it comes down to something as simple as, you know, the masculine family not feeling like they're adequate enough. And so they end up just checking out rather than checking in, you know? So just check in with him. Show him that there's a safe space. There's a safe space that you two have created and it is still there. You just need to show him where it's at again. I would say continue to be the one to initiate um, because once you're able to pull him out of whatever dark little hole he's in, you'll get the appreciation that you deserve. If that's not the case and you do try and communicate and he continues to shut you out and shut you out and shut you out, um, then you might need to consider something bigger being the issue at hand. Um, But that's just a conversation to reevaluate then. Start small, start simple, work your way from there. Don't assume the worst. Okay, so the next one. So this one says, I'm 20 and my boyfriend is 24. The topic of masturbation came up, and I said that I've never masturbated in my life. He didn't believe me at first, but after I told him I was serious, and he said that he thought I was weird. He asked me if I wanted to try, and I said, not really. (laughs) I'm contented with just having sex with him. He then said that I'm a prude, and that I was not as exciting as he thought I was. I snapped at him for being mean. He rolled his eyes, and we decided to leave it at that. A few days ago, he asked if we could have a mutual masturbation thing over video call, and I said that I didn't want to because I was tired. And he said that I was just coming up with excuses not to masturbate. And he said something like, I don't see why you don't masturbate, and you don't even want to try to masturbate. And then he didn't talk to me for the rest of the day. I assume he got pissed. The day after, I asked him why he ignored me, and he said that he was turned off by the fact that I wasn't willing to do one simple thing for him. First of all, I fucking hate this sentence right here. You were willing to do one simple thing for me? Shut the fuck up with that. If that ever comes out of your mouth, stop and reassess your sentence. Sorry. (laughs) I think he just doesn't like the fact that I don't masturbate. I mean, I'm definitely willing to try it for him, If he brings it up to me again, but I'm irked by the fact that he got so worked up over me not masturbating. Am I being petty for this? I don't even know anymore. First of all, no, you're not being petty for this. Um, Yes, I think that masturbation is healthy. I do think that it is important for people to understand their pleasures on that deep personal level before you ever experience pleasures with any other individual. I think that you can get caught in the trap of depending on other people to have you climax for you if you're not comfortable with masturbating. Um, I also think that masturbating, I think it's psychologically tied to your self-esteem. So if you are uncomfortable masturbating, I feel like you have a lower self-esteem. The higher self-esteem you have, the more comfortable you are masturbating. I'm not saying that, you know, if you... 
enjoying it and not enjoying it is different, but being comfortable with it is closely tied to your self-esteem. So maybe in this situation, he obviously has really poor communication skills, but maybe in this situation, he's frustrated with you just because he wants you to have that confidence in yourself to be able to do that for yourself. And a lot of people like seeing their partner please themselves because it allows them an opportunity to see how they like to be pleased. It's like a learning game almost. So don't shy away from it just because you've never done it before. I don't think that him introducing it to you in wanting you to video chat was very appropriate, especially knowing that you weren't comfortable with it. I think that in person, masturbating in front of each other can be something that's very sexy and very exciting. Um, but do it when you're when it's right for you. Don't let him pressure you into it. Someone who is so willing to ignore you for the rest of the day over something like this that you're trying to conversate about and someone who's so willing to say things like, why aren't you willing to do this one simple thing for me? Um, those are red flags of someone who's going to be an individual who's quick to gaslight. And um, I would just be really careful of the way they communicate with you. Also for your own mental health, make sure that if he's not willing to fix those communication barriers, that you no longer put any time into the relationship because you both are very young. And so those relationships, um, you know, these relationships that we go through in our young 20s, help mold the type of life that we're looking for. So if you're constantly compromising your behavior for another individual to make them happy but not doing what makes you happy, you're essentially compromising your future into something that is what they want but not what you want. And even though it sounds minuscule in a relationship and speaking your truth on masturbating in front of your partner and these small little communication things, it all makes a difference for where you're going. Okay, so this one says... Here's a little backstory. My boyfriend and I have been together for over a year. He was the one who took my virginity. He is known to be very childish and immature. He struggled with porn and had a very, very unrealistic standard of sex, leading to him having a lot of sexual partners and one night stands at a very young age. When he got with me, he took my virginity and we still, and we do still have sex regularly. So I would like to think that isn't the issue. I've always known my boyfriend is obsessed with sexual things and women, but I never but I never knew now I just wouldn't be enough to satisfy him. Anyway, recently my boyfriend and I have been running into some issues on the topic of threesomes. Our sex is amazing, but yet all of a sudden he wants to have another female in bed. I told him I wouldn't get a lot of pleasure from this, and he basically blew it off and told me it's just for him anyway. He just wants me and some other female to make out and do stuff with him. I am now self-doubting myself, thinking I'm just not good enough for him. It's making me super depressed, and I'm starting to feel unhappy with everything. He knows that I've been super suicidal and depressed due to the seasonal depression I get every year, and he just blatantly disregards my feelings no matter what. He is telling me that I satisfy him and give him amazing sex along with him telling me I'm the best sex he's ever had. I'm not a possessive person, but I'm feeling genuinely clingy to him and I don't want to lose him. TMI ahead. May I clarify that our sex is nothing vanilla, nor am I just prudish or vanilla. We regularly have sex all over our house in multiple positions and use toys and experiment with a lot of stuff. The sex isn't bland or basic considering we fuck like animals and do it roughly. He constantly brags to me that I was the first person to be his to be this freaky with everything. As he told me this, he gave me crocodile tears and told me he just wants to try it. I don't know what to do or what to say to him. Everything just feels fake and completely unreal. 
I obviously don't want to do this because I don't feel comfortable and he just keeps ignoring my feelings. I asked him if I say no, would he cheat on me or break up with me? And he said he wouldn't, told me that he loves me and he loves us. The fact is, I just feel worthless now because I feel like I spent so much effort, time, and money into this relationship only for me to feel like I'm not enough for him and for me to feel trapped. I don't know if I should just say yes so that he would stop asking or would that just be him manipulating me? First of all, no. You don't ever want to say yes to a situation just to get someone to stop asking you. And you guys are so young. I'm sorry to tell you this, but this isn't going to be the only person that you're with for the rest of your life, especially not someone who is this sexually active. Um, There is going to come a point, unless you're willing to get over your own insecurities for a threesome, in which that's going to be an area that he wants and will explore. He's 19 years old. It's going to happen. My best advice for you would be to really sit and ask yourself, is this something that you want to explore for you? And to me, it sounds like it's not anything that you're interested in at all. So maybe ask yourself why you're not interested in it. Sometimes I think being young and in love, if you're not someone who was raised in a very sexual environment, you view sex as everything that is intimate. And sometimes people who are exposed to a world that is filled with fake sex, essentially, lots of porn, lots of um, images and ideas that don't necessarily exist in real life all the time, you are going to be more more detached from these things being intimate and instead it is just an experience that you want to have. He sees you as an extension of him. He sees you as someone who is equally as into all of these things as he is. So yeah, naturally he's going to want to explore that aspect with you. So yeah, it's something that you really need to ask yourself, but I would say that if it is degrading your mental health, You need to decide, is it an avenue that you want to explore? If not, then maybe this relationship isn't something that's going to work for you. It does kind of sound to me quite a bit, especially with the age, that he is going to keep hounding you on this subject until you say yes, and you're going to have to decide. If you say yes, then you're tying yourself into someone who knows that they can easily manipulate you. Um, If you decide that you want to say yes, then that's a completely different story. But you need to figure out what you want to do for you. Do not let him pressure you into this. Um, You're so young. There's so many people out there. This isn't going to be the last person you're going to be with. So don't treat him like they are. Threesomes can be a very, very intimate experience, but it can also be something that ruins the intimacy if you don't do it properly. And in my opinion, if you're doing, if you're having a threesome with someone who is so young, because he's only 19, and you're only 20. And if you're unsure about that type of situation, don't do it now. Like keep it open for something for an individual who is willing to make you feel completely secure in the situation. If he's disregarding your feelings now before the threesome is even happening, imagine how you're going to feel in the situation. Imagine how you're going to feel if he doesn't take the time to make sure that you are getting everything that you need out of the situation that you're feeling 100% comfortable? What if he decides to make the other female feel completely comfortable as opposed to you? You have to be prepared for that situation to be what goes down. It's not a matter of just saying yes or no. It's a matter of what's the actual experience going to be like with an individual like this who's already not listening to your feelings. 
So a conversation definitely needs to be had. If he's willing to have a conversation with you that's very in-depth on on what both of your expectations are in, in the experience, then that's different. But don't let him pressure you into it. If he, if you allow him to pressure you into it, what's going to happen is you're going to leave the situation feeling more of a heavy weight on your mental health than you had felt before. It's going to get worse, not better. Okay. And then the last question that I have for you guys this week. So this one says, one of my friends does a burlesque and is very sex and body positive. Uh, She had a photographer friend who has been on the scene for about 15 years. He shoots their shows, boudoir, and other sexy photos for all kinds of people. Um, He doesn't do porn, but most photos do can be explicit. Anyway, my friend bought me a few hours of said photographer's time for Christmas. I've never done boudoir or anything like that, as I am fairly prudish when it comes to taking sexy photos. I'm a teacher. I don't want anything to leak. At first, my husband was excited. Um, was like, maybe we can get a family photo with the dogs, etc. I'm like, it's not that kind of photographer, and showed him his website, which does have some explicit things. He immediately was like, I don't want you to do porn. I showed him some of the boudoir examples and the description on the site. He still basically said no and reminded me that because I'm a teacher, if someone finds out that I could get fired. Probably true, but the gift also came with a 20-page book album, so not likely students would find that. At this point, I'm thinking about just going to do it. (laughs) Easier to ask for forgiveness than permission kind of thing. Um, I support this. Do it, do it, do it. I know that everyone has careers in which they are worried of certain things leaking out or certain information about them leaking out. But to be honest, if you stand your ground in a situation and you are assertive with who you are and what you stand for, your job does not own you. And I'm so tired of this mentality existing in our reality that jobs own you. You can't have tattoos because of the job that you'll get hired for and having that. You can't look this way. You can't express yourself in a certain way because your job won't hire you. I'm sorry, but most of you have so much debt higher than the amount of money that your job will ever, ever, ever pay you. So when will you stop being um, a victim to everything you do in your life is going to reflect on your job or risks your job. Stop. 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 Like we need to change the narrative when it comes to these types of things in life. Bourdois is sexy. Being able to have a self-confidence in yourself is sexy. Being able to be proud of who you are as an individual, that's sexy. And that's things that we don't necessarily teach in school. Yeah, being a teacher, you might be afraid that some of those photos leak out, but guess what? That's a great fucking conversation. And if these conversations aren't happening and instead we're trying to just prevent situations, we're not living. We're not living our lives at all. All we're doing is preventing. Preventing what? Preventing life? Like, why are you trying to do all of this? We are not suppressed beings. We are meant to be here to explore, to experiment, to have fun, to fuck shit up, to look each other in the eyes and be held accountable for our actions, to be able to say, I'm sorry. But you don't get there if you don't play a little. You don't get there if you don't get a little dirty, if you don't get a little freaky, if you don't find out what you like and what you don't like and what you can do and what you can't do. And if you get yourself in a situation where you fucked up and someone's judging you, stand up for yourself. Be accountable for yourself, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I, I love this story. I think you should absolutely do it. I think that if your husband's still a little bit upset about it, it's okay. Eventually he'll get over it and I bet you'll catch him looking at those photos sometimes. <laughs> 
All right, guys, that is all that I have for you this week. Don't forget to send me little messages. Let me know if you like the new format of our episodes, the little erotica, little questions at the end. I think I'm going to talk about romance next week. So if you have anything that you want to throw in on that, any questions, any input, feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Please follow us on Instagram. Um, it's just.press.foreplay.underscore. Also follow us on Facebook um, and then go like and subscribe on our website, justpressforeplay.com. Check out the hoodies, check out the sweats. There's blankets in there. There's so many fun things. Um, I love and appreciate you all. Happy fucking new year. Yeah, I'll talk to you next week, 2021.